Hey, I'm Josh Almonte, pitcher for the Vancouver Canadians, and you're listening to C Plus Podcast. Welcome back to the C Plus Podcast for episode number three. I'm Nala Donahoe alongside Ben Steiner. The Canadians have finally hit their stride in the last few games, winning four of the last five. And we've also seen some astounding pitching performances with a lot of guys getting their inaugural first professional wins. So what's begun to click? I think, you know what, you almost kind of look back to that day off. And I think it looks like now when you look back at that series against Everett here at Nat Bailey Stadium, when the Frogs completed a three-game sweep, uh, clearly it was definitely rock bottom. And I think it would have been really hard to get any worse than what happened in that three-game series, especially the ending of it. But the day off obviously gave a chance for the guys to clear their minds, went back to Everett, uh, took two games, and uh, very much in it for the third game, uh, only down 3-2 until the late innings before that one got away. But uh, they bounced back here with two nice wins here over the Tri-City Dust Devils, really uh, dealing a blow to their playoff chances. So Vancouver's starting to get it going here as uh, we're uh, closing out the first half. Of course, the first half is already pretty well out of reach. They only have one game to lose before they're mathematically eliminated from the first half. They're seven games back of the division leaders. Uh, do you see a miracle chance that they could possibly not lose that one game in the remaining 19, or is it pretty done and dusted? I think at this point it's it's pretty much a done deal. It's It looks like it's definitely going to be between Everett and Spokane for the first half of division title, and you kind of wonder how Everett's going to be able to uh, kind of right the ship. They've lost a few of their players to call-ups, uh, including Austin Shenton uh, battling Jorman Rodriguez for the Northwest League batting title. So uh, they've also lost a couple of pitchers as well, Reed Morgan uh, being one of them. But Everett and Spokane are going to battle it right down to the wire, and uh, that should be a pretty interesting race. Unfortunately, the C's not a part of that first division race, but uh, second half is uh, not that far away. And, uh, you know, if you like to see the C's, just, uh, just keep on keeping on right now. Keep this... Uh, role going here and uh, you know with any luck maybe get a series sweep before it's all said and done here at the net yeah it would be their first series sweep if they completed this three-game set over the dust devils you mentioned shenton who was on the everett aquasox as well as yorman rodriguez on the canadians they're both battling that out for the best batting average in the northwest league we saw them through six straight games in seven days uh three here at the nat bailey and three down at funko field in everett who do you think offers more at the plate going forward could we see Jorman jump to that next level? We saw Shenton do that. Where do you think the future lies for Jorman Rodriguez? Um, yeah, I'd be very surprised if he's still here uh, come the end of the season. I think uh, definitely a call-up to Lansing is in his future, except the only one thing is uh, Jorman did hurt himself. Uh, looked like he was either hurt trying to beat out a double play or just beforehand when he had to really uh, gun it down first base after a, a kind of a slow roller hit to third base. And who knows, I guess after all that hard running he did, uh, Jorman, not really blessed with the most speed in the world, obviously. You know, he's known for his hitting. And, uh, you know, hopefully he will be back. I, I did see him take uh, batting practice yesterday. So hopefully he won't be out too long. But, uh, yeah, I, I would I would expect Jorman Rodriguez. He may not, may not be here for much longer. He's been here for parts of three seasons already. And it may be time for him to move on. But I'll tell you what, he has been dialed in as a hitter uh, batting uh at 390 at one point. I think he's in the 370s right now, but he's just been having a tremendous season at the plate for Vancouver. If you were in charge of player assignments, would you decimate the C's roster in a second half where they need to perform and send guys like Roman Rodriguez and maybe Philip Clark up to Lansing? Or do you keep them here to keep a good product on the field for the Vancouver baseball fans? Well, I think, I think the Blue Jays... 
they'll be more concerned about player development. If they feel a player is ready for the next level, uh, you know, records be darned really at this point. Unless it's, you know, towards the end of the season, maybe then the Blue Jays may give consideration. Uh, you'd like to see the Blue Jays send more of their prospects here, like Eric Cardino. Uh, it would be great, I think, for their development to be able to pitch in front of 6,000 fans every night and, you know, pitching really in a big league atmosphere uh, here at the Nat. But, um, yeah, that's going to be the question. I mean, as the second half rolls around, uh, who are we going to see uh, remain here? Philip Clark, who knows? He might get a, a cup of coffee in Lansing before it's all said and done, too. It's really up in the air what the Seas are going to have uh, roster-wise uh, heading into the second half. Well, you mentioned the crowd size and the professional atmosphere here at the Nat Bailey. There is nothing against Cooley Law School Stadium in Lansing. They do get good crowds there, and it is also a professional environment. But uh, I, either way, it's a very good place for players to develop. I would have loved to see Eric Pardino here, the 18-year-old uh, number four prospect in the Blue Jay system, but he skipped this level and went right up to Lansing. Yeah, it's disappointing when we heard that. There was some speculation he might be here in Vancouver, but, uh, well, you know, it's good for Eric Pardino. He's, he's happy to be in Lansing, but I'll tell you what, uh, some of the players who do skip Vancouver, they always hear the stories afterwards. Oh, man, you missed out on an opportunity to go to Vancouver. Uh, I was talking to Dom Abadessa a couple of days ago, and, uh, you know, he heard all the talk about when he first uh, started the year in Lansing that if he remained up there, he'd miss out on Vancouver. But uh, he heard lots of positive stories. And, and uh, when I asked him if the hype was true, he uh, definitely said very much so. He really enjoys playing here. But you know what? The Blue Jays, they have to keep the player in mind first. It's all about player development. Yeah, winning is nice, too. You like to win as well. But I think development is first and foremost for the Blue Jays. That's definitely why the minor leagues exist and why there's this pathway. It's for development players because the end goal is a Blue Jays World Series championship. That's why we have the minor league teams. That's why the system is here. We didn't get Eric Pardino pitching on the mound here at Nat Bailey, but we do have Adam Klofenstein, the number six-ranked prospect, and a Canadian former uh, Brock University Badger, Alex Nolan, both of whom have picked up their first uh, professional wins in the last few days. What did you see in their performances? Uh, Klofenstein uh, is starting to look more and more polished out there on the mound. It's it's hard to believe he's just 18 years old, and, uh, you know, he's very poised, um, very talented. He has five pitches in his arsenal and uh, starting to dial it up a little bit more as far as velocity goes. I think he's been up to uh, about 95, but usually around 92 and sometimes maybe 93, but uh, really just using all of his pitches and uh, it's been working out for him, getting five strikeouts over five innings. Good to see him uh, reach the five inning mark. Very interesting. Dimitri Korkaris uh, paid him a mound visit, but I thought this mound visit was a key one. I think he was starting to labor a little bit in the fourth and fifth innings, but it seemed like after that visit, Klofenstein got the next three hitters in a row, got the five innings to qualify for the win, and hang, and turns out uh, Seas hang on and uh, get Klofenstein uh, the victory. So good for him and uh, good for the Seas and uh, just good all around. Yeah, it was a great performance by the 18-year-old. And if you look at his performances in all of his starts this year, his first start was amazing. He had, I think, a 73% uh, strike accuracy percentage. And then it went sort of downhill, off cliff, and that graph just kind of was just going down. Uh, until a couple games ago, he kind of flattened that out, and yesterday it started going back up. So clearly, he's faced some adversity in his first professional season, and things are beginning to get better. And I think that's only a promising sign for the Blue Jay system with their number six-ranked prospect. Well, you know, it's a great learning experience right now for Adam Klofenstein. And again, uh, as we mentioned earlier, I think the day off really helps these pitchers. <laughs> they get a little bit more energy. They got a little bit more gas in the tank. Maybe uh, their fastball might be an hour, uh, mile an hour or two faster. So. 
I think that's going to help these pitchers uh, this time around. And, you know, really the next break they'll get is really the all-star break, uh, which is coming up in mid-August. We'll be played in Boise, by the way, the last uh, uh, last season for Boise Memorial Stadium before they move into a new ballpark. But uh, that building holds uh, very fond memories for the Canadians who won their 2012 title there. Uh, they're second of three in a row, but uh, you know it's just it's good to see uh, Klopfenstein do well, and uh, and Alex Nolan can't forget him, uh, the pride of Burlington, Ontario, and it was good to see him uh, go five innings and get the victory, um, you know, and, and and pitching against another Canadian too uh, from Guelph, Ontario, uh, Jake Sims. So it's kind of good to see kind of a battle down the road between uh, Guelph and Burlington, and this time Burlington uh, won out Alex Nolan, and uh, Alex. Uh, Starting to put it together now, starting to get more comfortable here at the professional level, and just a great story all around from the Brock University Badgers, uh, and really the Ontario University Association, not really known as a baseball hotbed, at least not yet, but Alex Nolan is doing his part trying to change that. Yeah, there's not much of Canada that's really known as a baseball hotbed. Uh, Donald Trump's, I think, son-in-law is pitching at Carleton, okay. um, <laughs> I didn't know that. Okay. a little odd. Uh, UBC is the only school in the American circuit playing in the NAIA, That's right. and they've kind of established themselves as Canada's baseball school. So you're a little surprised to see a guy come out of the OUA uh, and pitch well on the professional level, um, but it's definitely nice to see. Speaking of Alex Nolan, with both Alex Nolan and Adam Klavenstein pitching so well this week, who do you think had a better overall performance? You'd have to go with Klavenstein if only you just go by the raw numbers, five strikeouts, five groundouts. Alex Nolan is not really going to be a pitcher that's going to blow you away, at least not quite yet. He did have three strikeouts over five innings, uh, but with Nolan, I think he has to be a little bit more finer with his pitches. That's something he's working on. Uh, he told me he was up around 93, 94 uh, earlier with Brock, but the Velo hasn't quite come back for him yet. He's usually been around 90, 91, but, um, but certainly, you know, it's five innings, and, you know, the bottom line is the W. I think they were both good starts, but... If you had to go on style points alone, I think you'd have to give the decision to Klopfenstein right there. And I think that's what most fans would want to see as well, is the young prospect getting um, the kind of better win out of those two guys. Nothing against Alex Nolan, no, but absolutely it, it's not. definitely better to see the more highly regarded prospect performing. Um, we also had some roster movement in the Blue Jays minor league system. There was Davis Schneider who was sent down from the Canadians to the Bluefield Blue Jays. What, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think they had to make room for somebody. Jesus Lopez came back. Uh, he started the season with Vancouver, but we really didn't hear from him for a while. He wasn't, uh, at least we didn't see the paperwork or transactions calls saying he was injured or whatnot. But, uh, but Jesus Lopez, after starting the year, he spent time behind the plate. He's played a third base. Uh, so I guess they had to make room in David Schneider. Boy, he had such a tough start to the year. Uh, his batting average was really sinking like a stone. But he started to get it together, though, and you know, still showed a decent eye of the plate. He would draw his fair share of walks. And I thought he made some nice defensive plays in second as well. He's also spent time on the left side of the infield as well. But, um, you know, really just an opportunity, hopefully, for David Schneider to get perhaps a bit more playing time in Bluefield. Uh, you know, it's too bad things worked out the way they did for David Schneider, but who knows? Maybe we might see him back for the end of the year, but uh, right now he'll uh, focus on getting his game uh, sharpened up in Bluefield. Is there anyone in Bluefield that you might have your eye on to see at the Nat Bailey in the coming weeks or days? It's hard to say. Um, I'm not sure if the Blue Jays are really going to bring up, say, like a Miguel Geraldo, who's a very highly touted prospect. They might feel he might be a little bit too young yet for the, the bright lights of uh, Vancouver, but then again, you never know. We might see him skip Vancouver entirely. We've seen that before. Eric Pardino, classic 
case in point. Vladimir Guerrero Jr., another case in point. Uh, you wouldn't think you would see someone like Miguel Geraldo, but um, it's really hard to say right now what the Blue Jays uh, are going to do. Uh, you know, they have to keep Bluefield in mind as well because Bluefield, they like to contend as well. And they're having, a you know, a better season right now than Vancouver. So, really, it's up in the air right now. Of course, injuries are going to play, uh, play a role in it too. And maybe uh, if Lansing maybe needs some bodies, that's going to create a ripple effect as well. So, it's going to be interesting. And, of course, we have the trade deadline. That might lead to some, who knows, maybe a prospect or two getting traded or a prospect or two coming back. So, yeah, just basically throw the balls up in the air and see where they land. De definitely a good point. I would like, I don't really follow Bluefield, so I don't know who I'd call up. On Lansing, I would, wouldn't mind seeing some guys sent down to the Canadians for the second half just to give both teams a bit of a push because I think Lansing has enough quality that they can make that jump. Uh, and the Canadians definitely need a bit of a spark plug to come into the Nat Bailey Stadium and either light up the offense or just tighten up the fielding. The fielding has tightened up. What do you think's behind that, and who do you think's been shining in the field for the Canadians? Well, uh, I'll tell you what. I think uh, Trevor Schwecky, he's, uh, I think he's done pretty uh, nicely in the field. Ronnie Brito's had his moments in the field as well. He's uh, coming really well in a few balls, uh, you know, a few slow rollers at third base, uh, nice barehanded plays as well, showing some good range also at short. It's just a matter of just finding that consistency uh, in the field. Uh, Brett Wright, he's been uh, doing a fairly decent job gunning down runners. Uh, Phil O'Clark, you know, small sample size. He looks pretty comfortable back there. I know he was really known as a bad first catcher uh, coming out of Vanderbilt, but he's trying to, you know, find his way behind the plate as well. Uh, I think it's just all around. The defense has been tightening up. Uh, Will Robertson, he's looked uh, pretty decent in the field. Uh, Dominic Abadessa, Adrian Ramos, they have good speed. Uh, McGregory Contreras, that's somebody else who's been making some nice strides in the outfield. He had a tough start uh, uh, to the season this year, and you know, you'll recall that uh, game on uh, home opening day where the ball glanced off his glove and over the short wall in left field. But I think he's looking a bit more comfortable out there. And I know Lansing worked really hard with him in the outfield. I think they're a little disappointed at first when they heard he was struggling again. But he's starting to get the ship righted for himself defensively. So, uh, yeah, I, I think it's just all around. I think they're starting to get more comfortable, probably getting more comfortable with Matt Bailey Stadium and the nicely manicured field here. And you know, getting the nice true bounces and, uh, you know, the grounds crew do a great job keeping this field in tip-top shape. So I think it's just a combination of everything. They're getting more comfortable and uh, uh, starting to be, uh, you know, more confident in what they're doing out there with the glove. I think there's definitely been a lot less errors. Uh, guys like Jorman Rodriguez, when they are first base a couple games ago, he dropped one in foul territory, which was really an easy out. Right. And that inning ended up falling off the tracks and the Canadians lost that game. I'm pretty sure that was against the Aquasox a couple days ago. You mentioned uh, McGregor Contreras. He was a big name here last year. I think he hit 12 home runs. Uh, and he has seemed sort of lost at the plate this year. What's changed? That's a good question. Uh, yeah, it's it's kind of it's surprising what's happened. I thought for sure when he came back here, he you know rejoining with Aaron Matthews where they had success last year. Uh, but for whatever reason, it hasn't quite clicked. Yeah, maybe the home runs are coming, but I think he is starting to get a little bit more comfortable at the plate. He had two hits last night. Also made a nice play in right field, cutting down a runner at second base. That was a big defensive play as well. So, you know what? I, I bet I would not be surprised if McGregory Contreras, who was kind of rated one of the top prospects not that long ago, among the top 30, according to Baseball America, I wouldn't be surprised if he uh, turns it on in the second half. I would certainly like to see that because while the Seas have started to win some games, they still don't have incredible offense, and getting a solo shot sometimes is definitely a, 
help for the team, and you need that help on the offense because, as we saw in their first big win, the 16-9 to win, you're not going to be getting 16 runs a game to win baseball games. No, not you're, usually. You're going to have to win these games 2-1, 3-2. They are close games, and at this level, all the guys are pretty close in skill. They haven't really found their niche yet, uh, and so you need the kind of heavy hitters to come out once in a while and really be game changers. Tanner Morris has been leading off for the Canadians a lot of the time. Do you like him in that position? Yeah, he's. Uh, I think he's. I think he's somebody else who's going to warm up with a bat too. And I think you're seeing it already. And he's taking his share of walks. I believe he's uh, second in the league in uh, bases on balls in the Northwest League. So he's showing a really good eye at the plate. Um, I know his focus or his concern about uh, playing in Virginia was not being able to hit for more power. I think that's something he'd like to focus his game on, but. You know, that's the thing. I think the hitters are all, it seems like all the rage is launch angle, hitting home runs, um, you know, but at, at the same time, though, you kind of like to see guys hit singles and doubles and, you know, maybe triples and that sort of thing. But uh, Tanner Morris has shown a really good eye at the plate. And uh, I guess him and Cameron Eden have been kind of been flip-flopping in the leadoff role, but uh, pretty, uh, pretty good uh, two guys to have at the top of the order, drawing walks, making the pitcher work, and I think Tanner Morris, I think he is going to hit his stride, and I expect a big second half from him as well. Of course, the point of the leadoff guy is just to get on base, whether that's a walk, a single, a double, or even a triple. The point is to get on base, and then you get to the middle of the order, and you have Yorman Rodriguez, McGregor Contreras, Philip Clark uh, in sort of the cleanup positions to get those runs in, uh, which is kind of how you line up the traditional baseball roster. So there are also a bunch of graduated Canadians who has been doing well, who is not at the Nat Bailey anymore and higher up the system? Uh, well, you have to you have to start with Nate Pearson, a great performance in the Futures game, uh, you know, throwing 100, 100 plus. Um, look at a guy like uh, Zach Loeb, you know, maybe not the hardest thrower in the world, but, you know, he's done a nice job climbing up the minor league ladder. Uh, Patrick Murphy, I think he was somebody who's maybe getting consideration to go up to Toronto uh, to fill in because uh, Clayton Richard going on the uh, injured list and uh, Edwin Jackson uh, just being released. Uh, Jacob Wagsback now being called back up. Um, you see uh, Patrick Murphy, a guy who can, uh, who has hit 100, but usually settles in the high 90s and uh, nothing to sneeze at there. But Zach Logue, uh, very crafty left-hander, and I think he's somebody who could uh, maybe be like a, perhaps a Mark Burley type, somebody who's able to move the ball around and you know keep hitters off balance. Uh, I, I like him on the pitching side. And... Uh, you know, as far as hitters go, I think, uh, you know, Vinny Capra has been an amazing story. You know, he's, he was here in uh, Vancouver last season, got a brief taste with the Lansing Lugnuts at the end of 2018 and makes uh, the big jump to New Hampshire and still holding his own, bounding around 240, 250. But he's doing a nice job considering that I don't know if anybody expected him to stick in double uh, A, but he has so far and uh, is doing a nice job. I was very fond of Vinny Capra last year, uh, if not just for his baseball, he had this nice flowing hair that would just fly <laughs> behind him as he ran, ran the base path. So I think that I enjoyed that. Uh, even if it's not really about the baseball, uh, he definitely looked like a kind of swaggy guy, sort of Brock Besser-esque. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, or Prince Charming even in uh, the Shrek movies. Uh, so I think that'll be it for this week's episode of the Seas Plus podcast. I'm Ben Steiner alongside Nyla Donhoe. Uh, for the next for the next episode, we're going to have a guest, most likely Caroline Frolic, part of the uh, Canadians Game Day broadcast team, um, and then we'll try and get some players on as well. So thanks for coming on this again with me, Niall, and I hope you guys enjoyed it. And we'll be back next time to bring you up to date 
with all of the updates of the Vancouver Canadians.